That you utilize me to illuminate the darkness with your words like that it displaces any frightened and it strengthens in their hands that they might fight to enter into thine kingdom. Therefore, for me this day, Father, I do pray that you allow your light to shine extra bright again. Not that they might see me, but that they may find you, the one in whom all glory and honor is due. Yahuwah, my other king, I pray that you accept for me this day my offering. Yahushua's name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. All right, we're continuing on with this discipleship training. And as always, we're going to enter into the world of scripture via pump. Let's welcome to my world, a place where the natural eyes can't see, where your physical bodies can't be, where the last is first, the first is last, the end is told from the beginning. And when it appears as though one is losing, they're actually winning. Where trumpets are depicted as voices and the persecuted righteous don't complain, but actually rejoices. Here swords are likened to the word, the demons are burned, the dead are yet alive, the living are actually dead. Blood and flesh are even depicted as wine and bread. It's a place wherein the humble are depicted as poor, and the poorer one becomes, they later found to be that much richer. I'm speaking of no other place but the Yasin world of scripture. So please turn off your phones, perk up your ears, and get ready to listen. But the Royal Cockwadash is about to begin to Hallelujah. All right, so we're continuing on with the story of Yosef. Oh, man. And what a story it is. You know, he's a type of Yahshua and a type of the body of Yahshua. Amen. In Genesis 41.1, it says, And it came to pass at the end of two full years that Pharaoh dreamed, and behold, he stood by the river. Now, as aforementioned, these four words of two full years are translated from Shane, you know, and Yom, you know. So, speak of a year, Shane is a year, Yom speaks to a day. So, hence this passage could easily be translated two full years of days, which make absolutely no sense to the world. But within the world of scripture, it makes perfect sense when, you know, as Psalm teaches us, Psalm 90 verse 4, for a thousand years in thy sight, our, as yesterday. When it is past, that's the watch of the night. So here we find that a thousand years is as a day. And second witness to that is Second Kephas 3.8, which says, But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day with the Adonai is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. And had it, had it not been for this interpretation, had it not, had it not been for knowing this, then, you know, there would really be no way to know or it would make things much, much more difficult to know, you know, the timing of some events that God is planning to do. Mm -hmm. You know, but because we know this and, you know, we can, we can discern the times. Now, we'll never know the day or the hour. Yahshua actually teaches us that, yep. right? But we can know the time. We can know the season. You know, and this is what I'm speaking to today. You know, because, you know, I'm not claiming to know the hour or the day. I'm not claiming to know anything. I'm just teaching the word. You know, I'm just interpreting what the word says, you know, in view of the word. Now, again, like, this is like, you know, it's like. Yeah, it's, it's kind of blowing my mind because, like, it's, again, kind of running parallel to the story of Joshua, you know, and so it's kind of feel like, you know, I'm, I'm prophesying, but I'm not, you know, I'm just teaching what the scripture says, but it's kind of reading like a prophecy, you know, so, um, in fact, it does read as a prophecy, but nevertheless, you know, uh, I do put out the disclaimer that I'm not a prophet, <laughs> you know. Um, you know, but knowing this actually transformed Genesis 41 1 into a prophecy for the end times. You know, it speaks to the end of two full years, so on for years as, as, a, um, as a day to Yah. Then it speaks of a prophecy that will come to pass after the 2000 year mark. Or within the third day. Can anybody see that? Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, um, I pray that's clear to everyone. 
Mm-hmm. Now, that said, again, like most scholars believe that the Messiah, um, that he was crucified in around 30 AD. You know, so if we go with this date, then 2030 would be 2,000 years. Well, 2030 is only seven years from from now. So we definitely are in the times. You know, and so it only makes sense that Yah will be pouring, you know, his truths concerning the times out at this time. You know, now, this is a pretty heavy message, actually. It's, you know, um, kind of reminds me of like a, a feast day message, you know, especially with how late it caused me to be, you know, kind of, you know, yeah, kind of feel like that. But, you know, let's, let's get into this. Let me have my first reader read Genesis 41, 15 through 22, because after this 2,000 year, Mark is when Yosef actually rises up, you know, out of prison. He actually comes out of prison and he rises to power. Okay, and we know that he's a representation of of uh, the body of Yahshua, i.e., his ecclesia. And so, you know, this makes perfect sense, seeing that we actually act, are actually living. You know, uh, two thousand years, you know, approximately two thousand years after these things have occurred, and we can bear witness that Yosef is indeed in prison. You know, there is no ecclesia that that is in control of um, or uh, the go-to uh, uh, was council. You know, for the body of Yahshua. You know, there are some that claim to be. Hmm. You know, but they definitely don't fit the bill. You know, so that said, you know, let us uh, let us let us read so we can understand what you know Scripture is teaching us to come. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I have dreamed a dream, and there is none that can interpret it. And I have heard say of thee that thou canst understand a dream to interpret it. And Joseph answered Pharaoh, saying. It is not in me. Elohim shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, In my dream, behold, I stood before the bank of a river. And behold, there came up out of the river seven kind, fat-fleshed and well-favored, and they fed in a meadow. And behold, seven other kind came up after them, poor and very ill-favored and lean-fleshed, such as I had never saw in all the land of Egypt for badness. And the lean and the ill-favored kind did eat up the first seven fat kind. And when they had eaten them up, it could not be known that they had eaten them, but they were still ill-favored as at the beginning. So I awoke, and I saw in my dream, and behold, seven ears came up in one stalk full and good. And behold, seven ears, withered, thin, and blasted with the east wind, sprung up after them. And the thin ears devoured the seven good ears. And I told this unto the magicians, but there was none that could declare it to me. Hallelujah. Okay, so, you know, says that Pharaoh have dreamed a dream. Now, you see dream, think prophecy. For all of the dreams in scripture, were prophetic. You know, so here it is saying that Pharaoh had a prophecy. Mm. Pharaoh means the great house. So the great house has a prophecy. There's a prophecy concerning the great house. There's many prophecies concerning the great house of Elohim. Amen? Mm. You know, and there's none that can can interpret it until Yosef rises. Right? You know, and so Pharaoh tells them, you know, uh, you know, brings them out and says he here that you can interpret dreams. And, you know, and Joseph says, ah, not me. You know, Elohim shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. Amen? You know, 
he gives the glory to Yah. You know, and so it speaks of him, you know, um, standing upon the bank of the river. River represents um, truth, so he's standing at the bank of truth, and, you know, there's seven kind, you know, they're feeding in the meadow, you know, um, and then, you know, they, they behold, then he beholds seven other kind, poor and very ill favored come up and then they eat the ones that was that was good and and um, fat fleshed you know which couldn't even tell that they had eaten them, you know and they were still ill favored mm. remember that put that on the shelf for a minute they were still ill favored mm. and so the seven ears uh, came up one stalk full and good now you have the seven ears of corn and you know, and then you had seven bad ears, and the same thing happened. You know, um, pretty much they consumed the, the good ears, and they still they still ill favored. You know, now the story continues. You know, with uh, Genesis forty one twenty five through thirty two. So, uh, I have my next reading read verses twenty five through thirty two. And Joseph said unto Pharaoh, the dream of Pharaoh is one. Elohim has showed. Pharaoh, what he is about to do. The seven good kind are seven years. The seven good years are seven years. The dream is one. The seven thin and ill-favored kind that came up after them are seven years, and the seven empty years blasted with the east wind shall be seven years of famine. This is the thing which I have spoken unto Pharaoh. What Elohim is about to do, he showeth unto Pharaoh. Behold, there come seven years of great plenty throughout all the land of Misraim, and there shall arise after them seven years of famine, and all the plenty shall be forgotten in the land of Misraim, and the famine shall consume the land, and the plenty shall not be known in the land by reason of the famine following, for it shall be very grievous. And for the dream was doubled unto Pharaoh twice. It is because the thing is established by Elohim, and Elohim will shortly bring it to pass. Mm. Hallelujah. Mm. You know, seeing that it's uh, 2023, we can say the same thing, right? Mm -hmm. You know, um, and actually, we're seven years away from 2030. That just can't be coincidence, you know, especially, you know, it didn't, yeah, it just can't be coincidence. But anyway, um, so here it is. Yosef begins to interpret the dream, you know, and says it's just one dream, you know. The dream is one, you know, and so he he tells him, you know, Yah is letting him know what what's about to come to pass. Likewise, you know, he's letting us know what's about to come to pass, you know. Now. He continues on in verses 33 through 36. He says, Now therefore let Pharaoh look out a man discreet and wise and set him over the land of Mizraim. Let Pharaoh do this and let him appoint officers over the land and take up the fifth part of the land um, of Mizraim in the seven plenteous years. And let them gather all the food of those good years that come and lay up corn under the hand of Pharaoh and let them keep food in the cities. That and that food shall be for store to the land against the seven years of famine, which shall be in the land of Mitzrayim, that the land perish not through the famine. Mm. Now, from the time of Yosef to Yahushua, just so happens to be approximately 2,000 years. Mm. And looking back, <clears throat> looking back in retrospect, we can see a time of plenty as well as a time of famine. That is, we can see the fulfillment, you know, or at least a partial fulfillment of this prophecy. You know, we can look back and we can see how uh, how the body of Messiah actually, you know, did, you know, did just just this, you know, and how, you know, uh, there was much corn that was put to the side there was much much uh food that was put to the side you know for the famine you know and what we call that food that was put to the side is the brick kind of shot uh or the new testament scriptures 
you know, that's that food we still eating off of. You know, because there's truly been a famine since the time of the apostles. Since the time of the apostles, you know, the truth, you know, and, and fullness haven't went forth. You know, everybody's, you know, doing everything and saying everything and crisscrossing and contradicting one another. You know, so it's clear to see that we're in a famine. You know, now what's interesting is that from the time of Yahushua until now, it's also approximately 2,000 years. Can this prophecy be repeated a third time? I believe it will be. After the 2,000 year mark, approximately 2030, there will be another time of plenty and famine before the end. Now this is what this prophecy, it is a prophecy for the end times. If it can be interpreted as such, then that's what this prophecy will be saying. It will be saying after the 2,000 year mark, which for us will be approximately 2030, there will be another time of plenty and famine before the end. Amen? That's what it's saying. Says if we if we read into it that it's prophetic, you know. Now scripture does bear witness that in the end times there will be a time of plenty and a time of famine in all actuality. You know, consider yo, you know, chapter two verses twenty six through twenty nine. Says and ye shall. Eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of Yahuwah your Elohim that have um, dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never be ashamed. And ye shall know that I am in the midst of Israel and that I am Yahuwah your Elohim and none else. And my people shall never be ashamed. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my Ruach upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also upon the servants and upon the handmaids in those days will I pour out my ruah. Now this prophecy was par partially fulfilled during the time of Yahushua and his apostles. You know, we see this in Acts 2. Acts 2, 16 through 18. But this is that which was spoken by Yoel. <coughs> by the prophet Yo Yoel. And it, came, and it shall come to pass in the last day, saith Adonai, says um, Elohim, I will pour out of my ruah upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens I will pour out in those days my ruach, and they shall prophesy. Amen? Yes. All right, so this we can see this was partially fulfilled in the time of Yahushua. You know, but as with prophecy, you know, there's oftentimes partial fulfillments uh, in Scripture. And then it also speaks of a full fulfillment. You know, we know we have seven, several hints that this was only partially fulfilled. You know, in, in verse 26, you know, it says, And my people shall never be ashamed. They're ashamed again. <laughs> you know, verse 27, it says, Ye shall know that I am in the midst of Israel, and that I am Yahuwah your Elohim and none else. And again, my people shall never be ashamed. Well, most people don't know if he's in the midst of Israel. You know, and... They're ashamed again. You know, now, the spirit was poured out and it's going to be poured out again. You know, so this was only a partial fulfillment. You know, we're going to see elsewhere where it was only partially fulfilled because this is not all Yoel prophesied at this time. You know, he also prophesied, you know, some other things that has not happened yet. So we know this is only a partial fulfillment. Consider yo chapter 3, you know, um, 12 through 16. It says, let the heathen be wakened and come up into the valley of Jehoshaphat. For there will I sit to judge all the heathen round about. This hasn't happened yet. It says, put ye in the sickle for the harvest is ripe. Come get you down for the press is full. The fats overflow for their wickedness is great. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision." For the day of Yahuwah is near in the valley of decision. Selah. The sun and the moon shall be darkened. The stars shall withdraw their shining. Yahuwah also shall roar out of Zion and utter his voice from Jerusalem. And the heavens and the earth shall shake. 
But Yahuwah will be the hope of his people and the strength of the children of Israel. This definitely hasn't happened. You know. But we see that it is a prophecy concerning that it will happen in the end days. You know, um, you know, around the time of the day of Yahuwah. Amen. You know, and so we can look for this to happen. Now, Yahshua also prophesied that there was a time of plenty coming, you know, a harvest, you know, because that's what this uh, seven-year period was. It was a time of great harvest, right? And they would take from the harvest and store it up, you know. Mark 4, 26 through 29 speaks to Yahshua's prophecy concerning, you know, this time of plenty that will come in the end time, this time of harvest. It says, and he said, so is the kingdom of Elohim. As if a man should cast seed into the ground and, sh and should sleep and rise night and day and, and the seed should spring and grow up. He knoweth not how. For the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself. The, first the blade, then the ear, after the, the corn full in the ear. But when the fruit is brought forth, immediately he putteth in the sickle because the harvest is coming. Did you catch that? But when the fruit is brought forth, Immediately he putteth in the sickle because the harvest is come. Now, this harvest speaks to our coming time of plenty, i.e., a time when Yah's truth is plentiful. The harvest is come actually speaks to the harvest has ended. Like it's already came. You know. So it's important to recognize that because it speaks to the harvest is come, speaks to the harvest has has ended it already come and went all right you know now this is important because when we consider what the story of Yosef tells us now take note that it says when the fruit is brought forth immediately he put up in the sickle because the harvest is come the harvest is over it already done came and it done went everybody with me all right with this in mind, I'd like us to consider Yosef's harvest. That is, when his time of plenty ended and how scripture presents it. Let me have my next reader read um, Genesis 41, 47 through 53, please. And in the seven, and in the seven plenteous year, the earth brought forth by, hand, by handfuls. And he gathered up all the food of the seven years which were in the land of Israel and laid up the food in the cities. The food of the field, which were round about every city, laid he up in the same. And Joseph gathered corn and the sand of the sea very much until he left a numbering, for it was without number. And unto Joseph were born two sons before the year of found came, which ascent, which as the daughter of Potiphar, the daughter of Potiphar's priest of one bear unto him. And Joseph called the name of the firstborn um, Manasseh, for Elohim said he had made, he had, has made me do, uh, forget all my toil and all my father's house. And the name of the second called Ephraim. From Ephraim has caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. And the seventh year of Plenteous that was in the land of Mizraim were ended. Hmm. Hallelujah. Okay, so we see in verse 47, it spoke of seven Plenteous years. You know, in other words, a period of plenty. You know, the, uh, whereby the earth brought forth by handfuls. And he gathered up all the food of the seven years which were in the land of Mizraim. You know, it speaks of Yosef gathering corn as the sand of the sea. Very much until he left numbering, for it was without number. Say lie. And unto Yosef were born two sons before the years of famine came. You know, and Yosef called the name of the firstborn Manasseh. For Elohim said he have made me forget 
all my toil. And the second one, he called Ephraim. You know, for Elohim have caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. You know, and it speaks of the seven years of plenteous that was in the land of Mizraim being ended. Now, did you did you catch? Did you catch why we came here? Did anybody catch it? What about it? Yeah, so um, that's that's so, but in conjunction with what? The birth of the son. The birth of the, of the son, which son? Ephraim. Which means what? Doubly fruitful. fruitful. Can you see that when the fruitfulness came, immediately the harvest was over? Just as just as it said, just as Yahshua taught in Mark 4.29, when the fruit is brought forth, hello Ephraim, when the fruit is brought forth, hello Ephraim, <coughs> immediately he put it in the sickle because the harvest is come or the harvest is done. Mm -hmm. Then when we look at Genesis 41, we see when Ephraim come, the very next verse tells us, and it's seven years of plenteousness. That was in the land of Mizraim were ended. Mm. Yeah. Can you see that? Can you see the parallel? Yeah. You know, this is the mark of the end of this time of plenty. Mm. When the fruit start presenting themselves on, on the earth. Mm. When those that are fruitful. Everybody still with me? Uh, it gets, wait, there's more. <laughs> you know, Genesis 41, 47, and 48. It says, in the, in, in the seven plenteous years, the earth brought forth by handfuls, right? And it says, he gathered up all the food of the seven years, which were in the land of Mizraim, and laid up the food in the cities, the food of the field, which was round about every city, laid he up in the same. Now, this is the time when Yah's truth goes forward. And his gospel is spread. It's spread throughout the world. And the people is brought into the kingdom by handfuls. So this is just a, a, a picture of the time when Yah's, when Yah's people are going forth into all of the world. You know, and they're bringing in, bringing in Yah's people into his kingdom by the handfuls you know this is this bumper crop if you would this time of, of plenty now revelation which of course is the book of the end times you know it speaks to this time in revelation 14 6 and 7 it says and i saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth and to every nation and kindred and tongue and people. Saying with a loud voice, fear Elohim and give glory to him. For the hour of his judgment is come. And worship him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of waters. You know, now. Yah's people is proliferating, you know, in the earth. This is the time when they're proliferating in the end, you know. Now, this is when their people are going forth. They're spreading the gospel to all the earth. Now, in spreading Yah's truth in all the earth, this leads to the fall of Babylon. Now, reason being is because truth dispels confusion. Babylon means what? Confusion. So, if Yah's truth is being accumulated, you know, to a degree to whereby it's innumerable, it's automatically going to dispel any confusion. Because that's what truth does. Everybody with me? So, the spreading of Yah's truth leads to the fall of Babylon. Hence, in Revelation 
14, 8, we read, and there followed another angel after that one, after the gospel was spread to all the earth, after the truth was taken unto all the earth, after that truth dispelled the confusion. Then another messenger is sent. It says Babylon is fallen. It's fallen that great city because she made all nations of the wine to drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Okay, so now no one's ignorant anymore. Babylon is fallen. Everybody know the truth. Amen? So what happens next? Genesis 41, 49 tells us, And Yosef gathered corn as the sand of the sea, very much until he left numbering, for it was without number. Right? You know, this is what he tells us, and we already done uh, concluded that the corn is as Yah's people. You know, that's being, that's being accumulated as the sand of the sea. You know, and actually, uh, our depiction of... Um, of Yosef's two sons in our actuality. Uh, I think I'm jumping ahead of myself. But let me have my next reader read Revelation 14, 14 through 19. And I looked and behold a white cloud, and upon the cloud one sat like unto the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown, and in his hand a sharp sickle. And another angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice to him that sat on the cloud. Thrust in thy sickle and reap, for the time is come for thee to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. And he that sat under the cloud thrust in his sickle on the earth, and the earth was reaped. And another angel came out of the temple which is in heaven, he also having a sharp sickle. And another angel came out from the altar, which had power over fire, and cried with a loud cry to him that had the sharp sickle, saying, Thrust in thy sharp sickle, and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth, for her grapes are fully ripe. And the angel thrust in his sickle into the earth, and gathered the vine of the earth, and cast it into the great winepress of the wrath of Elohim. Hallelujah. Okay, so what we see here, you know, is a depiction. Revelation 14 through 19 is just giving us a depiction of this corn being gathered as the sand of the sea you know very much this is this is revelation's depiction of this time of plenty this time of harvest if you would this bumper crop if you would you know and so we see that there's um that it actually teaches that there will be a harvest in the end times you know so you know make no mistake about it this time of plenty is coming amen you know and so here it is, we just see a, 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 a depiction of it in, in the story of Joseph. It's equated with the corn being, um, Joseph gathering the corn as the sand of the sea. You know, very much until uh, he left numbering for it was without number. Now, continuing on in Genesis 41, um, let us consider verses 50 through 52. It said, it said, and, and Yosef were born two sons before the years of famine came. Mm -hmm. So this, these two sons are born during the time of plenty, during the harvest times, right? Yeah. It says, which Asenath, the daughter of Potiphar, a priest of On, bare unto him. And Yosef called the name of the firstborn Manasseh. For Elohim said, he have made me forget all my toil in all my father's house. Mm. Mm. Okay, I'm not going to go there. I don't want to spoil it. Um, verse 52. And the name of the second called he Ephraim. For Elohim have caused me to, to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. Now, Joseph's two sons, i.e., the two sons of the body of Yahushua speak to two very different types of believers. You know, Manasseh, the firstborn, hello Christianity. You know, Ephraim, hello Messianics. Hello those who follow 
Yah in everything he said to do. In both the old and new parts of the book. Amen. Amen. You know, now again, Yosef, two sons, you know, i.e. the two sons of the body of Yahshua speak to two very different types of believers. You know, um, and they were born to Yahshua's ecclesia. That is our New Testament scripture. You know, our that old corn. One is like unto Manasseh. And the other is like unto Ephraim. So one forgets all their toil in all their father's house. One causes causes uh, Joseph to forget all his toil and to forget all his father's house. And the second one is doubly fruitful, you know, and they even they're fruitful. They even caused Joseph to become fruitful in the land of um, of his affliction, right? Mm -hmm. Now, both become a great people. And together they represent the corn stored up by Joseph. Now, verses 43 and 44 of Genesis 41, I'm sorry, 53 and 54 of Genesis 41 says, And the seven years of plenteousness was in the land of Mitzrayim were ended. And the seven years of plenteousness that was in the land of Mizraim were ended. You know, and the seven years of dearth began to come, according as Joseph had said. And the dearth was in all lands, but in all the land of Mizraim there was bread. Hmm. Now, this marks the beginning of the famine, which in turn speaks to when the stored corn began to be consumed. Now, who does the store corn represent? The body of Yahushua. It, it, you know, well, the ecclesia, the body of Yahushua, it actually represents their kids. You know, the um, Ephraim and Manasseh, you know, which are the two types of believers. Because you have two types of believers out here. You know, one, one is a type of Ephraim and the other is a type of Manasseh. Now, that's what the corn represents, the, all the stored up corn. It's those two kids. You know, hence they're mentioned during the time of the harvest. Now, this marks the beginning of the famine, you know, which in turn speaks to when the stored corn is being consumed. So now we have the believers, you know, the two types of believers being consumed. You know, it also paints a picture of the valley of decision spoken of by Yoel, the prophet of Elohim, which will ultimately bring about Yah's judgment. You know, now, I know you're thinking, well, how does this speak to, how does it paint a picture of the valley of decision? You know, I'm glad you asked. Because Yoel gave another prophecy, you know, in Yoel 3.14. He says, multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of Yahuwah is near in the valley of decision. When you see that multitudes if multitudes are in the valley of decision, then you know the day of Yahuwah is near. Hmm. Is that not what that's saying? Hallelujah. You know, now, the question is, can you see that there are two multitudes being spoken of here? Hmm. You know, now, they didn't translate it as two multitudes, but both of these words are exactly the same. Hence, they translate them as multitudes, multitudes. Now, usually, oftentimes when that occurs in Scripture, they just say two. You know, you know, because it doesn't make sense to have multitudes of multitudes. You know, there's two multitudes being spoken here. Now, it's important not to miss this, as most people do. You know, for these two multitudes speaks to none other than Manasseh and Ephraim, who were both prophesied to become multitudes. Consider Genesis 48, 17 through 19. This is when um, Yaakov... You know, prophesied over Yosef's children. He adopted them as his own. Israel adopted those two children as their own, meaning that those who make up the offspring of Yahshua and his and his ecclesia will be adopted as Yah's own, even as his uh, first and second born. Amen. Mm -hmm. Now. 
Genesis 48, 17 through 19 says, And when Yosef saw that his father laid his right hand upon the head of Ephraim, it pleased him. And he held up his father's hand to remove it from Ephraim's head unto Manasseh's head. And Yosef said unto his father, Not so, my father, for this is the firstborn. Put thy right hand upon his head. And his father refused and said, I know it, my son. I know it. He also shall become a people. And he also shall be great. But truly his younger brother shall be greater than he. And his seed shall become a multitude of nations. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So these, this is what's to become of these two Two sons that's born to who represents Yahshua and his ecclesia. And we can see them in the earth today. We can see the firstborn and we can see the secondborn. Now these two offspring, um, well, I just said that. And when the famine begins, they will have a decision to make. When the famine begins, they will have a decision to make. Hence, they depict the valley of decision. And owing to their names, owing to their names, i.e. their character, authority, and reputation, we also know how each one will decide. We can determine how each one is going to decide based upon their names. I'm going to show you. In Revelation 14, 9 through 11, it says, and the third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, if any man worship the beast in his image and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of Elohim, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation. And he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever, and they shall have no rest day or night. Who worship the beast? And his image, and whosoever receiveth the mark of his name, this will be the valley of decision that will bring about Yah's judgment. Mm -hmm. This will be the valley of decision, whether or not to take the mark, worship the beast and his image, or not. And we know that those who take the mark. You know, they're going to be pretty much excluded from the world system. They won't be able to buy or sell. Amen? You know, so, which one are they going to go with? Now, we it continues on in verse 12, and, and, and we're going to see how this plays out. Verse 12 goes on to say, here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of Elohim and the faith of Yahushua. And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Right, blessed are the dead which die in the Adonai from henceforth. Yea, saith the Ruach, that they may rest from their labors and their works do follow. Hallelujah. Now, I want you to consider this in conjunction with the two sons. Genesis 41, 51, and 52 speaks of the two sons. And Yosef called the name of his firstborn Manasseh, for Elohim said, He hath made me forget all my toil in all my father's house. Now, when we look at Revelation 14, 12, and 13, it says that these are they that keep the commandments of Elohim. Now, keeping the commandments of Elohim are also referred in scripture, referred to as the works of Elohim. Can you see that the patience of the saints are those who keep working? They keep doing the commandments of Elohim and have the faith of Yahushua. You know, now, it says also that they may rest from their labors. So that means that they're definitely doing works. But follow this. Manasseh is called Manasseh for Elohim has called, had caused Yosef to forget all his toil, forget his works, yeah. and all his father's house. 
So here it is. Manasseh is one who has forgotten all the works, all the toil, and forgotten all of his father's house. He caused Yosef, which is a type of the body of Messiah, to forget their works, forget his father's house. Can you see that? You know, so we know that this goes against those who have the patience, patience of the saints. Because the ones who have the patience of the saints, they're continuing to work. You know, they continue, they're continuing to work. Hence, after it's over, they find rest from their labors. You know, we're told they keep the commandments of Elohim and the faith of Yahushua. Amen? They have the works. Now, verse 52 says, The name of the second is called Ephraim. For Elohim has called me to become to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. Now, here it is. Ephraim are those who continue to do the works and become fruitful even in affliction. Even in the place of affliction. They're still doing the works. Can you see that? Yeah. You know, so this is the difference between the two types of believers. This is the difference between the two sons, you know, that comes from Yahshua and his ecclesia. One is like Manasseh, who causes the body of Messiah, who causes the ecclesia to forget all their toil, all their works, and all of his other father's house and that's much like what we what modern day or conventional christianity that's much of what they say now today oh the, the, you know y'all's commandments are done away with you know you don't have to do those works anymore you know you don't have to do the works of the law you know um that that y'all that y'all put forth you don't have to do these things you know this is this is old it's, it's done away with you know forget all about that old stuff you know, hence, you know, he forget all the works in all his father's house. You know. You know, but says, blessed, right, blessed are the dead which die in the Adonai from henceforth. You know, that's Ephraim, because they're working all the way up to their death. They're they're working even while they're being killed. You know. And they're bringing forth double fruit. Can you see that? You know, this is, I know this, this is some heavy stuff, but this is also Yahshua. You know, now, verse 52 said, And the name of the second called Ephraim for Elohim have caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. So, well, all throughout the earth where he sent his people, where they've been afflicted, they're going to become fruitful. No matter where they are and no matter how great their affliction, they're still going to become fruitful. You know, and Genesis 48, 19 taught us, you know, that, you know, Israel refused and put his hand, his right hand, you know, on, on Ephraim. Saying, I know it, my son, I know it. He also shall become a people, and he also shall be great, speaking of Manasseh. But truly, his younger brother shall be greater than he, and his seed shall become a multitude of nations. Can you see that? Now, this is speaking to Ephraim. And Ephraim are those who are doing the works. They are the ones that's keeping the commandments of Elohim and had a faith of Yahushua and keeping his commandments. Mm -hmm. And they working all the way up to the death, you know, to their death, you know, and hence they find rest from their labors when they get with Yah. Mm -hmm. That's Ephraim, you know, and they're doing so even, they're doing so and because, and it's causing them to become fruitful even in the land of their affliction. So even while they're being afflicted, they still bringing forth love. They still bringing forth joy. They still bringing forth peace. They're still bringing forth long suffering. They're still bringing forth humility. Can you see these things? Yep. You know, they still bringing the fruit, yep. even doubly so. 
You know, and so this is a picture of Ephraim. Now watch this. Revelation 7, 9 through 14. After this, I beheld and lo a great multitude which no man could number of all nations and kindreds and peoples and tongues stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and psalms in their hands. Hello, Ephraim! Can you see Ephraim is the one, the younger son, that shall become a multitude of nations? Can you see this is a multitude of nations, a great multitude which no man can number? Remember, when he brought in the corn, no one could number it. He had to leave off numbering because it was too many. You know, because Ephraim is doubly fruitful. Too many of them. You know, to be numbered. Couldn't number them. So hence we have this great multitude which no man could number of all nations and kindreds and peoples and tongues standing before the throne and before the Lamb. Hmm. These are the ones that continue to work the commandments of Elohim. These are the ones who continue to hold to the faith of Yahushua. Even in the face of death. These are the ones who died doing so. These are the ones who became blessed because they died doing so. Verse 10 says, And cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our Elohim which sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb. And all the angels stood round about the throne and about the, um, the elders and the four beasts and fell before the throne on their faces and worshipped Elohim, saying, Amen. Blessings and honor. Blessings and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our Elohim forever and ever. Amen. And one of the elders answered, saying unto me, What are these which are arrayed in white robes? And whence came they? And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. And he said unto me, These are they which came out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. This is Ephraim. This is Ephraim, who even in the land of his affliction became doubly fruitful. Even through tribulation, they kept on doing the commandments of Elohim and holding on to the faith of Yahushua. This is who we want to be. 